Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit FightRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest is Ana Maria Vasquez, and we'll be talking about her new book, Nature, Divine Experiences with Trees, Plants, Stones, and Landscapes. Nature Intuitive, Ana Maria Vasquez, encourages you, encourages you to take it into your listening and open up to the sentient world of which you are part. Recognize you are nature and why it's important to have reverence. Check your vibe and ask permission to begin co-creating with the natural world. Nature, divine experiences with trees, plants, stones, and landscapes is part of a common sentience is part of Common Sentience, which is an uncommon book series that that is bringing the mystical into the mainstream by sharing spiritual wisdom and true personal stories of the divine experiences we are having. Look for the other books in this exciting series. Go to sacredstories.com for information. Ana Maria Vasquez is a multi-sensory animal and nature intuitive and a shamanic practitioner. As a natural energy reader, she lifts the veil between what's occurring in the physical world and the energetic patterns behind it. Through teaching, speaking, and remote sessions, Ana Maria helps others understand the spiritual messages coming from nature. For more information, you can visit Ana Maria's website, which is intentiontraining.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Ana Maria to the show. Good day. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited to be here and to have this conversation. Thanks so much for having me. It is truly my pleasure. Uh, nature is one of my favorite topics. Um, it's one of my favorite experiences. So I'm really looking forward to uh, helping our listeners um, learn a little bit more about how they can make that connection. But let's first start with you. Um, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the listeners just a little bit about your journey and, and how nature played a part of that journey. Yeah. I always had, you know, a really close connection with the natural world. When when I was little and I I was growing up, it was quite a a chaotic environment, and I would often seek refuge from that craziness uh, under the trees or in the trees, but definitely outside in the nature world. And I always had that close connection, but I would have never said, right, I'm a tree talker, I'm an animal communicator. (laughs) Heck, we didn't even have that language when I was growing up. But I knew that I had that close connection. And 
that desire to have that two-way communication for me with the animals was just so strong in my life. And yet I didn't know, you know, I figured if I didn't come out of the womb doing that, I guess I, it just wasn't something I was going to be doing. And fast forward to a time in my life where, you know, one of those life tsunamis shows up and everything seemingly falls apart and I'm having to rebuild my life from, from the rubble of the old life and really making this commitment, this setting this intention that if I'm going to rebuild my life and do this again, I'm going to do it in a way that is deeply connected. I really want to, I really want to connect with the animals. And so I had been working with a teacher and she had channeled in some information for me about connecting with a tree for 30 days. Simply go outside for, you know, 30 minutes and put your hands on a tree and just connect in there. And I thought, okay, well, I got nothing to lose. I, I can do that. And so for 30 days I did this. I went out to the same tree, put my hands on the tree. And I got to tell you, I felt kind of silly. Like, what am I going to do if anyone comes up, you know, drives by, walks by? I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm not even sure if I'm doing this right. And I have to tell you, for the first three weeks, nothing happened, like zilch. I didn't even hallucinate anything. It was just <laughs> nothing, me and this tree. And I thought, well, I'm going to stick it out, right, for the for the whole piece, just in case, because, you know, I, I, I've been told that we can all do this. And then the skeptic part of me was like, all right, we'll do it, and then we can prove this is hooey, right? And all those spiritual platitudes, they're, you know, it's just made up stuff to help us feel better till we die. And so I stuck with it. And during that fourth week, I was sitting in my home, and I asked a question out loud, and I heard an answer audibly heard an answer and I'm in my living room but it felt like that voice came from outside and from where that tree was and I thought uh-oh I've lost it right like, I've been through a lot I have definitely gone over the deep end but I engaged and I said was that you and I got a yes and I thought how is that even possible and my mind, you know, racing at this moment, and it's so funny because my humanness came through, right? I couldn't even filter it. And I said, well, I'm glad you're talking to me, but I asked to talk to animals. I don't know what to do with a talking tree. And the tree chuckled, right? Like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> and I got the message that it was just a recalibration process and I would be talking to animals eventually. And so I just stuck with it and I, I really ran that tree through the paces. And, and um, in the book, I actually tell this story so they can get more of the details. But I began to trust this tree because this there was nothing that I could find that was untrue that the tree was sharing with me. And sure enough, after some time passed, and not that much, the animals started talking to me. And so you can imagine everything changed. And I figured, I'm the poster child for if I can do this, so can you. And it was fun to do readings for other people, but it really came uh, to be my passion to help people remember how to do this for themselves because we're all nature and we're all wired 
to be able to have these experiences. And so that's really the purpose of, of, of doing this book is to help people have these experiences for themselves. Yeah. Now, that tree is Ruby, isn't it? That yes, correct? that's Ruby. That's Ruby. Yeah, well, you know, and I, I kind of chuckled when I read, you know, that's the first story in your group of stories, and we'll talk about those a little bit later. But, but that one I kind of left is when you were talking about, you know, hugging the tree or holding on to the tree, you know, and what you just laughed, you know, what you had said about, you know, people walking by, what are they going to say? You know, I feel silly. This is, you know, all of that judgment, that self-judgment that we do and, and that we, um, you know, project other, onto others um, is can really um, dampen, I think, our ability to you know, kind of get clear communication. It kind of garbles the message, I think. Absolutely. And it keeps us small, right? It keeps us from sharing this. So many private sessions start with, Anna Maria, you're not going to believe this. And then they catch themselves. (laughs) And they're like, well, maybe you'll believe it, but I can't tell anybody else. And we really need to move these mystical experiences, right, from, from the spiritual closet, bring them out, and share them so that we realize that this is our human inheritance to be able to do this, to be able to have these experiences. And you're right, those low vibrations like judgment and fear and blah, 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 it gets in the way of us really being our true selves and experiencing the richness of of this human embodiment. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So let's let's talk about nature. So in your view, what is the nature of nature? How would you describe what it is? Yeah, to me and my understanding of nature is that it is the embodiment of life force energy in these aspects of the natural realm, be it a tree, be it a rock, be it a river or a mountain, and it's another aspect of beingness showing up in another package, right? Just like our dogs or our horses or our fish or or, or whatever, those companion animals that we have, and it feels like it's family, right, in that web of life where we're all connected, and it's a part of that unity consciousness that as humans we're finally starting to remember again. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and you know, you talk about uh, we, too, our nature, and, you know, the, you know, in the whole puzzle, you're a little bit of piece of a puzzle, you know, that makes nature. Yeah, it, it, we're forgetting that we're connected and that we are nature. Well, that's the root of our problems while we're here on this planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And, and it, it's good to be able to, you know, get back to um, working with nature. Uh, now, you mentioned mystical experiences. So can you tell us, you know, just, um, your view and from some of the stories that you've heard, um, 
you know, why mystical? I mean, what, what, what makes a nature experience I'm mystical. Now, listening to Ruby, that was a mystical, mystical experience he had. But, but um, you know, where does the mystical come into play? Right. That's a great question. So there are those times, right, we go out into nature just to recreate or, you know, to to just be out in nature. And we have a great experience, right? We feel energized. We feel better. We feel lighter. Maybe we even feel inspired. And that is just from being in nature. And then there's those other times, right? We probably didn't even intend but we're on a walk or a hike or we're in our kayak on a, on a lake or a river or we're out, you know, uh, out on the side of a river. And it feels in the moment almost like we are being transported beyond what's going on here in this reality. And that's when we have these experiences, right, where there is a message or a communication that's coming from the natural realm, or even some folks will see faces, right, in tree trunks or in a plant or in a rock outcropping, and they have a knowingness that it's more than just their mind playing tricks on them. And so it opens us up, again, from this kind of one-way relationship with nature to a definite two-way connection and like we've mentioned the collection of collaborative stories uh, that are shared in the second section of the book gives different examples of people having these mystical experiences again that that go beyond just a day out in the woods (laughs) into an actual uh, connection communication experience with some aspect in the natural realm and it's that feeling of being met and a possibility that's beyond what we even thought would be possible yeah yeah that's something greater than what we see or feel i mean it's just that extra depth of experience i think that's that's, you know Yeah. yeah now um I mentioned kind of in the introduction there was um, a phrase um, called, uh, that you use, take it into your listening. And I had to laugh first, before I want to talk to you about that, I, when I was reading the book, there were, I can't remember the exact spot, but there was one one place where the, the topic was, was that you keep asking for um, help, you know, or assistance, guidance, um, but you're not listening. You know, and I, I mean, that just made me laugh because I was told that about me, God, probably <laughs> 30 years ago. <laughs> you know, and uh, I still sometimes don't know if my ears are on properly for that. But, but you know, t- t- talk to us about, you know, the importance of listening and, and, and it kind of, you know, for people like me who sometimes have difficulty uh, getting the message, you know, what are some things that we can do to maybe um, ramp that up a bit? Yes, and that was a, a piece 
that came directly from one of the trees that I was interacting with, and and they found it a little humorous that us humans, right, we were always asking for help, always. Show me a sign. Help me out. Let me know. And yet we spend very little time listening for an answer. And in our modern hectic lives where we're running literally from one thing to another, we get pulled in so many different directions that are saying this is important or this is important. And when we take the time to reconnect with nature, right, go sit under a tree, go sit on a rock, go sit next to a river or even, right, like you have beautiful, phenomenally beautiful and moving uh, nature photography. Even if we're looking at a picture of nature, we can then begin to connect in and we can hear our authentic voice. We can hear our higher selves bringing through a message so that we know for sure which direction to go in. But we got to get quiet first. And, you know, uh, sitting with a rock or a tree is great. Or some of us need to move, right? We can't sit still. We have a little more kinetic energy. And so just a slow, mm-hmm. conscious, intentional walk uh, or kayak, right? Kayaking or whatever where you've got a little physical movement and that can help uh, shut the other voices down just for a little bit, right? So that you realize there's a distinction and a discernment between the noise <laughs> and your true voice. And you get that moment that that inspiration comes in and the knowingness. And any time we're in self-doubt, that is a valuable practice to do so that we can get clear and, and stand in our knowingness. Yeah, you know, for me, it was it took a while to get um, to recognize the distinction between those inner thoughts or that, that chatter and what was coming from beyond, you know, that. And, um, you know, and, and I know now, I mean, after a few times, it, it, it just has a different feel. I mean, or even sometimes it's like so out of the blue that, I mean, there was no, you know, A to B to C kind of thought that would lead me to that thought. It was like so out of the blue. You know, it's like, okay, you know, it's like, where did that come from? You know, and, and then, you know, I think after a while, for me, you know, I got to get a sense, um, you know, that it, it just felt differently, you know. And, and every now and then I get, you know, hit on the head. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, hey, that's, that's life. <laughs> you know, that's just part of the process. So, um, but, yeah, that keeping Keeping that quiet is, is um, it's a challenge, but but it is important. And now, yeah, it's a practice, um, absolutely. And in that first, in the first section, I take you through the different ways you might experience, right? The messages coming through because sometimes we're not sure or we dismiss them, but it'll show different ways that you might experience that. And then we all have a primary way, right? That it comes through more often than the other way, and, and that can help us begin to build that muscle of discernment, of knowingness, of listening. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, one of the things that I was that kind of impressed me um, about the book was the reverence that you, in which you hold nature. 
and that is, you know, um, important to display that reverence. Um, and, you know, check the vibe, and, and then ask permission of the nature. So, can you tell tell us a little bit about, you know, the idea of reverence, the and, and the like ritual, I guess that that can help um, display what that reverence is, the basis of that reverence. Uh, well, thank you so much for recognizing that. That was a huge intention for me to bring forward that reverence. And we have to remember, right, the beings, the energy, for, for lack of a better word, that is um, in flowing through a tree or, or a rock. Think about how long that being, that energy has been embodied as that, right? Trees, it's typically a couple hundred years rocks, hello, right? They're just part of mountains, which are millions, billions, right? And then they're actually part of galactic dust and debris. So there is inherently an age, right? Like there are elders in one sense, and they've witnessed our human cycles for for eons. And we have come into this space where we do things to nature. And that reverence piece that I have is, you know, what I try to show for all life, that we're all in this together, and that unity consciousness, and to really acknowledge that divine in the other as, right, so many of us practice to recognize that divine within ourselves. And one way, like you mentioned, is, that aspect of asking permission. Those of us who are drawn to the natural realm, we often have our pockets full of rocks, right? Or in our house, we've got rocks and pine cones and sticks and and everything that we've brought back from the natural world. And and it's just an instinctual piece. And, you know, another thing the trees have said is, you know, humans, you're cute like toddlers, right? Like you're so cute, but you haven't developed your manners all the time. And we're like, oh, shiny, mine. And asking permission first, right? Like maybe that rock doesn't want to leave or maybe that, that, that pine cone has something it's doing there. And so to ask first, I find, again, not to make anyone feel bad because, right, I had to, when that came through for me, I had to look around my room and go, do I need to release my rocks back to the wild? What, what do I do now with this? And it's when we know better, we do better. And so it's about having that now, right? Like now I'm like, do you want to leave? Do you want to, or do, even working with a tree, do you want to work with me? Typically you'll get a yes, but sometimes you'll come across one that's not interested and for folks that aren't in full conversation with trees yet, you know, what is, or rocks, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Well, you'll ask the question, and you don't have to ask it out loud, right? Again, if, you, if, you're, if you're not sure because there's people around you, can ask it in your head. It still works. You'll either feel lighter for a yes or be drawn forward. Like if you're standing there, you sway forward, or you'll feel heavy or kind of push back a little bit, and, and that would be a no. And, again, never take it personally. It's that there may be a better tree or rock or plant to, to that would want to work with you. But it's a different way. And, you know, a lot of indigenous cultures uh, even today practice the offerings, you know, when they go to the river or the trees or the rocks or the stone circles. 
and, you know, it's often different sacred plants that are used. Uh, you can also use bird seed or uh, wild wildflower seeds that you can put, and you, you just bring that and hold it to your heart and infuse that with that gratitude that you have that, oh, my gosh, I get to be in this amazing connection with this energy that is a tree or a rock or a river or, or a mountain. And, and if you have nothing, that's okay, too. You know, just bring in the gratitude and send it out. But it's that exchange of energy that, as humans, we've just forgotten. Even in our interactions with each other, we need to bring more of a fair exchange of energy. Oh, I, yeah, I agree. Most certainly with that. And, and, you know, right now, there so many people have viewed um, – the taking from the earth, you know, as, as a one-way street, you know, and really not giving back. Or, you know, if they're giving back, it, it's after being pillaged, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's kind of like, right. you know, <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, you know, that, that's just really important. And now I was um, instructed on that, uh, the process of, you know, of bringing um, items for, uh, you know, uh, a token gratitude, you know, for the experience of, of being, you know, where I am. So um, I, I don't know how well that works. Um, so what, um, let's see here. I was wondering, oh, yes. Um, the ability to communicate with um, trees and, you know, rocks and, and, and animals. Now, you mentioned earlier on in the show that, you know, your real kind of goal initially was uh, communicating with animals. Um, and so Ruby told you, though, you're going to, you know, go through this process first and then you know, move on to that. Um, what did, um, how did being able to communicate with animals um, change your behavior. Right. Oh, my goodness. Huge, huge question on that one. And I have to tell you, when the energy first started coming through, I, for me personally, and I, this is everybody's own journey, and, and I offer no judgment on anything, and it's within our own systems that we have to look at, but I went from a huge meat eater, right? Like meat stuffed in other meat, <laughs> and I, I, lo I just it, it it was a thing for me. And I moved where once the animals started talking to me, I, I couldn't eat meat anymore. Which then, of course, always begs the question: once the uh, plants started talking to me, I was like, well, now what, right? Like, now what am I going to eat? And they took me into a different understanding of of all of it, right? And and the truth is actually consuming food as a species, you know, of humans, it's um it's not an efficient way. So, you know, who knows what other possibilities are out there. I certainly am not to an assumption level where I could be a breathitarian and I enjoy food, right? I enjoy that. And so the, the, what the plants explained to me was and this is whatever, whatever you're choosing to consume, you know, as sustenance on this life, what's the energy you're bringing to it, right? Are you, are you ta again, this energy of taking, 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 
or this even energy exchange and where are where is your food being sourced and how is it being sourced and is there honor in the process and and what does that look like i mean plants themselves actually propagate in ways that make them attractive to other animals to eat because that's what pre you know continues their existence so but we need to bring a different energy to it and it's that whole life consciousness right when when <laughs> animals and trees started talking to me i had to look at everything differently and how i was living my life because everything i do has an impact and to make those decisions that are going to support things that are good for me but good for the other inhabitants on this planet as well and to me that's the biggest shift uh, and really deeper commitment uh, that I was able to make to to my earth kin, you know, everyone who's included in that about how I would live my life on this planet. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. You know, because when you look at the cycles of, of nature, you know, and, uh, um, you know, <laughs> You were talking about um, plants, like raising plants. You know, you, you kind of, I mean, that's like the basic, you know, as far as uh, nutrition. You know, I mean, I, I just got the sense of, you know, a cucumber is happy to be grown and eaten, you know, if you recognize that it's, you know, recognize its value, you know, yeah. I guess, you know. And, and, you know, I think that comes from what you were talking about. You know, just intention um, when it comes to, you know, food preparation and, and consumption. Um, uh, well, gosh, uh, we are about halfway through the show already, um, Anna Maria. So I'm going to take just a quick break, um, a 90-second break. And then when we come back, I want to talk um, uh, a bit more specific about your book and, and what it contains. Okay? Perfect. Okay, everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief prayer. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Hello, Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Ana Maria Vasquez, 
And we are talking about her new book, Nature, Divine Expressions, <laughs> Divine Experiences with Trees, Plants, Stones, and Landscapes. Um, again, this particular book is part of the Common Sentience series um, that was put together by SacredStories.com. And if you want to find out more about Anna Maria, you can visit her website, which is IntentionTraining.com. Okay, was that for back, Anna Maria? Yay! This has been such an expansive conversation. I can't wait to see where, what rabbit holes we go down next. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's true. Well, I want to kind of let the listeners know the book is broken down into three parts. Part one is understanding the natural world. Um, part two is the divine experiences. Um, and you talk about the stories. And part three is deepening your connection with nature. So we pretty much covered understanding the natural world in the first half of, of the show. So I want to kind of move in. There were several stories. You have many. How, I didn't really count how many stories. There's a good number. Of There's 30 Thanks. stories in there, yeah, from all these different authors around the world of their true experiences. It, it's, it's quite a collection. Now, how did you go about collecting the story? Well, we put, we, me and uh, the publisher, putting out the call for stories, right? Have you had a profound experience in nature? Uh, you know, maybe a tree or a rock or a crystal or the element of fire that really created a new trajectory for you in your life or a new insight that you hadn't considered before. And the stories came in, and they were phenomenal. And the publishing company, uh, you know, sorted through those that were the most captivating. And when I finally got to take a look at them, I was blown away. It's, it's, you'll, you'll be absolutely moved on so many different levels when you start to read these stories. Yeah, they're great stories, and and I saw a lot of my actions and experiences in many of them. So that was kind of fun to be able to to do. Um, now the first story is yours um, about Moody, the that tree we had been talking about during the first half of the show. But um, and, and the reason that I kind of highlighted this one is in. You mentioned it when you were talking about Ruby, but the idea of recalibration, you know, that there was a process for you to go through, you know, in order to be able to make these connections. So can you just tell us a little bit about that recalibration? What, what did it look like? What did it feel like for, for folks out there who, you know, may want to explore that aspect? Yeah, that was so fascinating to me. And the more that I've learned about it, the more that I learned it is one of the first steps to this greater unity consciousness, to this ability to connect, right? Like I, I see it kind of like the information superhighway, and this exit is trees, and this is, uh, you know, animals, and this is those who've crossed over, you know, all of that. But it, it's all kind of in the same wave, and then you direct which way you're going to go. But as humans, right, in this density, 
Man, it can be tough, and we can have a lot of lower vibrations that are kind of running the show for us instead of being that higher vibration, right, that higher vibration of, of love and, and anything that's even closer to it, and we're marinating daily, right? Like, just just do an audit on your day. What what TV or radio, like, this is high vibration conversation. When we're listening to what's going on wrong in the world, right, that's fear and that's a low vibration. So what are we marinating in? Anything that we put in, on, or around our body affects our vibration. And the higher our vibration, the easier it is to have these mystical, profound uh, experiences because essentially you are tuned in, hooked in, in alignment with that life force energy, with universal consciousness. And the higher our vibration, the easier it is to make those connections and have those experiences. So the first step for me was, and for all of us, and it's what I teach um, in my private work, it's what I teach in the book, uh, in all my courses, is raising our vibration and connecting with the earth. You know, even think about uh, the process of earthing, right? It's a phenomenally powerful experience, and it gives our body information, and it raises our vibration. And that's the first step all the time, right? Whether you're wanting to talk to trees or animals or just connect to your own higher consciousness, raising the vibration is going to be key. And so the easiest way is, right, that tree hugging. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, you know, and and that's wonderful because that brings me into another one of the stories uh, called Trees, Horses, and Transformation. And and that one did involve some tree hugging, Um, but it was Kate. no uh, story, but in her story, you know, she was works with horses for, um, you know, helping work with people. Uh, I don't know what, what that's called, um, but a little horse therapy kind of thing. But um, in that particular one story, it talks about a child being afraid of the horse, and the, she was in instructed to go to a tree and hug it and uh, basically transfer her fear to the tree. So can you tell us about it? Because I thought that, you know, that's a uh, really easy thing that we could do, um, you know, if we want to really, you know, make a connection. So can you tell us about that particular story? Yeah, Katie's story about that is so profound, doing the – the horse therapy, and yet having, right, like horses are big when you're little as five, and that can be a little overwhelming, and the horse could sense that, and fortunately, Katie followed those inner nudges that were showing her, you know, let the let the little girl come over to the tree, and she let the little girl know, put your arms around the tree, and you can put all the fear in there and she'll help take it into the ground and you know just like the soil gets broke down that fear will get broke down and used to nourish all of this life and so the little girl did that and then she held onto the tree until she wasn't afraid anymore and then she had enough confidence and courage that she could not necessarily go to the horse yet, but she could go to the donkeys, right? They're a little smaller. They're a little more manageable. And then she then she did get the courage to go. And the beautiful part was it wasn't just about working with the horses, but then she learned that she could use that any time in her life, 
whenever you're feeling scared or unsure or you don't know, you can take, you can go out to nature and go, go hug a tree and that tree is going to help you. It moves me so much. Like right now I'm getting soaked up because imagine if all of us were taught that when we were five, right? Like we would be having a very different experience on this planet. And finally we're doing that. We're teaching, we're remembering ourselves and we're teaching the others. And most of them are remembering on their own in record numbers to work with these energies in a different way and that the natural realm wants to be our partners in collaborating. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I just thought that that was one technique that can be easily done and can really help people, you know, if they want to go out and try it. now, well, and what was another... neat about the stories, excuse me, was that, that that happened a lot where, you know, I was writing on my own and, and bringing through the nature techniques and, and what we, what nature wanted to be, you know, sharing with the humans. And then the stories came in and they were mirroring <laughs> those pieces about that connection. So, I mean, that, that was, it was something we couldn't script. And, again, it, it, it showed us and reconfirmed that this was really nature's book <laughs> being channeled through each of us. Exactly, yeah, that, that's a good one. And um, now another story called The Spirit of the Wind, um, and it was Jack, um, my, my friend just went dead, um, Jack uh, Alice. There you go. Um, and, and his story, I wanted to, you to talk a little bit about because it involved the power of wind and fire, you know, those particular elements. So can you, you know, talk, maybe just give your impression of that particular story and, and maybe some of uh, what, what a learning point out of that would be? Yeah, that was, you know, another potent story where, on his own, right, he, he was looking, they were, him and a group of conscious people were looking to move onto the land and, and really be caretakers and, and live in a sustainable way. And so he had gone up to the land to, do, you know, to do some work, to do some preparation. And there was this huge wind that would come through and, I mean, like really kind of knock you off your center. And what he was feeling, right, like when we think about that element of wind or any of the elements, how often we've been taught about, you know, man versus nature and resisting and conquering. And when he was feeling this strong energy of this wind, he got it, right, because he was already a person who was in the listening around this and wanting to really honor and respect the mm-hmm. earth. And so he began to talk to the wind and tell him, you know, I am here to be a guardian of this land and, and to honor you and, and the other aspects that are living here. And he was able to experience this respite, almost like a yielding from the wind that was absolutely sourcing him um, and giving permission is what it felt like, right? around moving forward with that project and he had that the confirmation through the um element of fire as well and it it 
that story really reminded me again about shifting from doing things to nature to being in collaboration with and how many of us in our own lives, right, like we do, you know, in our yard uh, and do things to it instead of asking, right, like what what do you want to be? What, what do you want? How do you want to work with me? And it, that alone shifts the energy, and not to mention the conversation, and allows us to have a different experience and, and a profound experience and something that maybe we wouldn't have even considered ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That could be, you know, people going out to the yard. You know, what do you want to be? And, you know, and I, I – I would venture to say a lot of landscaping architects do the very same thing. Um, it's kind of like a sculptor with a piece of marble. You know, what 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 do you want to be? You know, what what do you want to come forth? You know, and um, but uh, but it involves that connection. You know, and you kind of if you're going to ask you, I'll make sure you can listen to what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. I had a teacher that was kind of similar, you know, to, to the last story we talked about where they were going to put an eco-conscious community in, in this area, and he had been taught always, before you're going to do something that involves moving things on the earth, to go be with the earth. So he went on a three-day vision quest, and he said, this is what we want to do. We want to, you know, teach people that you can do this. This is a way to live lightly on the earth. And I, I, you know, what do you think? And he received information that told him about some ancient wisdom, uh, stone seats that were on the land and that it would not be in your best interest, even for something like that, that seems like a good cause, uh, because this, this can be an ancient wisdom teaching site. And so he came back and he had to tell all his investors, and I'll do this. We have to shift our focus. Yeah. And he has gone on to share this different way of being with the land and in collaboration that has allowed people to experience these ancient stone seats and have absolute inspiration, revelation, life-changing experiences. And that would have never happened had he not respected the land enough to ask. Yeah, yeah, that that is that is something, and and. Um, but, you know, and also just what struck me when I read that story was um, just the play between wind and fire and and how important it is. But, you know, and I've, I have been, when I've been out taking photos, you know, there have been times where, you know, um, the wind cooperates by kind of being still to allow me to photograph and then other times it's not, you know, and it's, you know, it's, just, it's just windy and everything I take is going to be blurry. So at that moment, I'm just like, fine, I'll just go ahead and, you know, look at you and enjoy you <laughs> as you are and yes. scrap the phone. <laughs> but, um, but, but it, you know, it, I, you know, I, we can just learn so much by it, the weather and, and now, what is your feeling about, you know, the weather changes that we're having? Is this, do you think this, is this Mother Earth trying to bring balance back to where they're gotten out of whack? Well, it, it, to me, it feels like 
what I'm getting from nature when I'm tuning in is we're at a choice point, right? Like our um, all of our ancient ancestors, they were in tune with nature because they needed to be in tune for survival and just, you know, to be able to live. And then they would listen and see what was happening with the water, with with the soil, with the trees, with the air. And they would learn either, you know, it's time to move on and let this area rest or, you know, whatever it was. And when we moved out of the woods, so to speak, we began that, that dominance piece and that conquering aspect, and it got us out of balance. And we've forgotten that we're part of this circle of life, part of this web of life. And we're at a point, we're at a choice point, right? Like, the earth is going to be fine, right? Like, <laughs> she'll shake us off and she will heal and continue on her own journey. But we as humans in our own, it, it, and, that you know, that's like one of my closing lines in the book is it's not just about the planetary evolution. It's about our soul's evolution. And are we going to remember a different way to live on the earth and to bring that in and not, not just live on the earth, but live with each other, right? It's, it's, it's no wonder we're having such an effect on the natural realm. We have a real hard time with even each other and our own species. So we're being called to, to remember a different way to be and how that can absolutely change everything. Yeah, it, it certainly can. Um, it, it, it's just something. Um, now, the last story I want to mention is another one of yours. You, you kind of started the series and you wrapped it up at the end. And then that particular story was called like, The Medicine Wheel. Um, and that one rocks play a major role in, in this story. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about um, about that experience of um, the medicine wheel and, 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 and well, your recreating of it with rocks? Oh, my goodness. Well, what I love about the way, you know, because when the publisher approached me and it was like, oh, what stories am I going to share, right? Like, I had so many. Where where do we go? And I feel like those two in particular, the one with Ruby, really shared, you know, a starting point, right? Like, I was new to the idea that we could do this, that this is a possibility, and, and she really guided me through that. And then this medicine wheel story is really uh, about those of us who've already been on the path and yet, and that connection to nature and yet what can still be revealed to us. And that excitement is, is, is so phenomenal. So I had been doing a lot of work with the stone beans, with rocks, um, actually spending time on the property of the story that I talked about earlier where they found the stone seats and these ancient, ancient wisdom that was available there. So I've been doing work there. First of all, that's going to shift your vibration for sure. And I've been learning about, you know, again, reading the energy of the land, uh, difference than just geology, right? Like a geology, you know, where you follow, oh, that's the natural course because of the topography of the land, but where you can follow energy that is, you know, like ley lines or dragon lines, basically paths that energy follows and, and the part that rocks play in that and, and their harmonic frequencies. And so I've been 
you know, really uh, in my own living laboratory, meeting new rocks, meeting new sit stones, and just spending time uh, getting acquainted at a, at a different level. And I was walking a part of the land that I had walked, you know, numerous times before I knew it, like the back of my hand. And as I was walking to this one part, the, the trees kind of clear, and there's this big, huge, open, in hindsight, round area. And immediately I saw it was like a holographic overlay. I saw this medicine wheel. And immediately I thought, oh, my gosh, this space wants to be a medicine wheel. Okay, that's great, right? Like I have some knowledge. I've studied in that. I've been initiated in medicine wheels. This is great. And I always had a knowingness that I would recreate a, a larger one somewhere, but I, I hadn't, you know, really been, you know, I hadn't gotten that yet. And so I was so excited, and, and I told my partner, and he was on board, absolutely, and we live in the Rocky Mountains, right, so there are rocks everywhere. We didn't have to disturb any land. We just had to ask, you know, do you want, this is what we're going to do, do you want to play with us or not? So we're gathering those rocks, bringing them to the space, and we get to the point where we're ready to set the four directional stones, right? And we're going in, and we're ready to lay the first one, and I stop and I go, there are already four directional stones in the ground. And we started to look at them. They were like inset into the ground. And we got our compass. And each one <laughs> was in the right direction. And it, it might have been off by maybe one to three degrees tops, but they were clearly four stones, big stones, directional stones in the ground already. And immediately I got oh, my interpretation was a little bit off, and it was not this land wants to be a medicine wheel. This land already is a medicine wheel. It already has been a medicine wheel, and, and, and this area has, it has not had permanent settlement, right? It's on the edge of the National Forest. Uh, it has been a corridor for Native Americans uh, who were moving through. We have hot springs not far away. They were wintering grounds for some local tribes. And this amazing understanding that I was being trusted enough, right? Like, oh, my gosh, to have that revealed. And so we used those original directional stones and we placed um, some on top to be able to delineate that a little bit more. And we, and we went with that. And the experiences, the, the depth, um, that my work with that medicine wheel came into great play during during the writing of this book, going out and asking for different information, and even to the point of asking for permission to share that story, right? Because I felt like, ugh, that's, that's really intimate. That's really sacred. And and is it even my story to tell, right? Because I can find another story. And I had a yeah. profound experience at the medicine wheel with some deer and a Clark Nutcracker bird and, and my Great Dane while we were out there that said, yes, it's time to share this story. It's time for all of us to remember that, that we can, we can do this. We, we can have these experiences ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gosh, we're almost done to the end of the show. Um, and, uh, Maria, so we won't be able to get into the section three of your book, which is deepening your connections with nature, but, uh, the readers, the listeners can become readers and, and find out more about that. And uh, 
So do you have any, are there any final thoughts um, that you may want to leave with the listeners? Absolutely. And the biggest one, oh my goodness, this big hawk just flew right up over my, my viewing window here. And so this different perspective, right? Thank you, Brother Hawk. This message of different perspective, if you resonate with this discussion that we've been having, you're one of those nature peeps, I recommend, right? Like definitely pick this book up. Uh, it will become a go-to book time and time again for you as a resource. And, and thank you for having this platform where we can have these inspirational conversations. It means so much. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And, and uh, I really want to thank you time and now you are on facebook and um i am following you and you're following me so for listeners out there if you use the uh, platform facebook and you want to follow us both uh, feel free to do that um so uh i want to thank you for your time um Andrea. this has really been a wonderful conversation which i i knew it would be thank you all right everybody uh again uh, my very special guest has been um, Ana Maria Vasquez. We've been talking about her book, Nature, Divine Experiences with Trees, Plants, Stones, and Landscapes. And again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is intentiontraining.com. And she's got a lot there for you to explore. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Her Show. And until we meet again... You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Bite Radio Me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.